0: Hey everyone. Today I had on Jonathan Sharks of the ringer.com. You can find all of his draft insight at nba-draft.theringer.com. It's really insightful stuff. Um it's really easy to use, great interface where you can either skim prospects, kind of get a deep dive or just, you know, casual read on everyone. It's a really great website. I encourage everyone to check it out as well as listen to the following pod uh, where Jonathan Charts kind of breaks down different prospects in the NBA draft and how that relates to the Toronto Raptors. i on, Jonathan Charts of the Ringer. Um, Charts, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. You know, all things considered, uh, seeing as how the Raptors' season ended this year.
1: I feel like what happened makes it look so much worse. So the Cavs are going to seven games against the Pacers and the Celtics, and the Raptors couldn't get one.
0: Yeah, I think it's really tough to watch the Cavaliers struggle this bad. They're
1: not very good.
0: (laughs) It's, I think a lot of Raptors fans kind of convince themselves that, oh, well, the the Cavs just found the proverbial switch. And that was the reason that we lost. And, you know, LeBron just went supernova, but then watching them struggle this badly, you see that, yeah, that team's not good. And it's more on us than you want to admit
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, that's why I'd fire Casey. Like, I I feel like it's, the case makes itself. I feel like that's whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't matter now, but I feel like this really show, shows why they fired him.
0: Yeah. Um. I totally agree. I mean, he got outcoached pretty handily by Lou in a series, and Lou's the guy who just referenced he couldn't get Corver into the game because semi-ocialty wasn't on the court.
1: I'm going to defend time with that. I think there was a, a point he's making there. I don't think Corver can guard their top seven players.
0: Yeah. I. I. I get it to a point, but I don't know. When Jr is playing as poorly as he is, you, I think you just kind of have to trade the takeoff of corver's poor defense because, I don't know, I think you have... Yeah,
1: but that's but I think that's why the Cavs will lose this series is Korver, and he killed the Raptors last round. Yeah. And just, it's bad. Yeah, overall bad. Um,
0: but we have you on here to talk about the draft. Um, First off, with the Raptors, they don't have a first or a second right now. The first... Um, being traded in order to get rid of Damari Carroll's Con- contract. Um, what do you think the chances are that Toronto kind of gets into the first round here?
1: Into the first, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they can buy a second-round pick, pick, though. It's getting more expensive over year. Like, the Warriors have gotten so much ahead of buying picks. You'll probably got to spend the full $3 million to get a pick.
0: Yeah, and I think it, possibly it makes sense for the Raptors because that's kind of money – you can spend tax-free or you can spend without going into the cap. Um, any money you spend on players, you know, you risk going into the cap. So that – you can spend the $3 million, It doesn't count towards your cap hit, um, towards the luxury tax, and you get a cheap player.
1: Yeah, I mean, they draft so well, too, and I have to advantage of that.
0: Yeah, um, with Masai's track record at the bottom of the first, you would think that they would try to do something um, regarding that. But, you know, it – it's hard to get into the first, and I think it would probably take a little bit more than Raptors fans would like to admit to get to the bottom first for a guy that's, you know, a question mark, obviously.
1: I mean, you'd have to give up one of your young players, whether it's Wright or Van Vleet or I don't know. They have a lot of good young players. It's They're not going to give you a first for nothing, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: so you, do you risk giving away a good young player like Wright, who you know is good for a guy who could end up fizzling out of the league in a couple of years? It's
1: kind of tough. I guess it's about money. they to pay you right pretty soon. But I wouldn't trade right for a person I'd pay him.
0: Yeah, I think I think Ray's good. Um, I think he's worth an extension. He's versatile enough and kind of a new modern guard of the NBA. Um, and, you know, a little bit better offensively than people want to give him credit. Is there anyone in this draft that you think kind of sticks out to you and you'd be like,
1: wow, that guy is a perfect fit for the Raptors? I mean... I don't know. Like, the Raptors are such a deep, balanced team. They're going to be good players. It comes a no matter of, like, what pools you're looking for. Like, they've got so many good players. I guess, could he playmaking big? It, maybe you hope Siakam can... Okay, I'll give you a name. John T. Porter. I love that guy's game. If he's available in the early second, he's still in this draft. I'd jump on that in a, a second.
0: Do you think he's going to come out? There's some rumors that he might head back to school. I mean,
1: I, he probably should if he's not going to get a first-round bomber. He's very, very talented. He's just... People don't—they forget he's how young he is. He reclassified to be uh, move up a year. Just to senior high school play with his older brother Michael in Missouri. Mm-hmm. So he went to Missouri. He played in a very big front court. How much? How much guard play around him? And he's a little overweight, out of shape. And he needs to cut cut down his body fat. So he's—he's got a. Lot, I think he has a lot of promise. A couple of years away, he might go back to school. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy, I think, that's gotten into the NBA and totally reshaped his body. Um, you know, it's different when you're doing it full-time as a career as opposed to being, like you said, a young guy who reclassifies into a freshman class.
1: Yeah, him and Jaron Jackson, uh, Jaron Jackson which is, I think, one of there's some they players, but it's not really a Raptors concern, obviously. Yeah, it's def- definitely
0: going to be tough for the Raptors to get a guy like Porter, um, who's kind of, I think rising up the draft, but at the same time, might not come out. Um, as we look at the top of the draft, um, the Suns have been rumored right now for DeAndre Ayton. Um, I know that you are, I think, is it fair to say, pretty heavily in the Luka Doncic uh, grouping? Would you... Yeah, are, I, I love Luka. I love his guy. He's great. So, um, I guess... Why do you think that they're kind of enthralled or going to pick with DeAndre to Aiton? I know it's early, and obviously there's a lot of smoke screens out, nothing's for sure, but why do you think Ayton is kind of rising so high? I
1: mean, I think if you just look at him, like he's the biggest player in the draft, he's one of the fastest players in the draft, he's really skilled, like the talent is just obvious. It's hard not to watch Ayton. like man, if he's going to be a star, I mean, I get it. But to me, like... I don't even mind passing on Luka because there are concerns that are fair. But to me, I like if you're going to do that, you better take Jaron Jackson. To me, he's the best big in this draft. and like, So I think it's fine to pass on Luka, but if you pass on Jaron Jackson, you're going to be very disappointed.
0: Yeah, you have Jaron Jackson as two, which I I think most people probably have him slated at four. Um, It's kind of the general consensus. Why do you like him so much? Just
1: the defense and shooting there? Everything. I mean, like... He has the things I most value in a big man. He's a great shooter. He's a great defender. He's a team defender. He protects the rim. He switches on screen. He can guard all five positions. And I think he has more offensive upside than people realize. People think he's like Serge Ibaka, but he's got way more game than that. Like he's got dribble moves. He's got post moves. He was just he's a. He's very young. He he's like a year younger than most of the other guys. B. He was on a very poorly coached team last year that was not very well constructed. He's like the fourth option on the team. I think that was more because of team dynamics and his actual ability level. I think he's really gonna surprise people. Like this guy I mean, I think Serge is his floor. Like he's and his feeling is unreal. I I just love his game.
0: Yeah, it was weird. You watched um you watched Izo play him at the power forward and I just couldn't disagree more with kind of I just don't think that's his position. And I understand that he has some roster limitations, and the, the college game is different. But it just felt weird to watch him at power forward for a large
1: percentage. Yeah, of and then the worst part. So you get into a the tournament, and they're playing a team in the 2-3 zone, and they play Jackson at the 4, Bridges at the 3. It's like these guys can shoot and pass. You don't if it's put the 2-3 zone. And then he plays two big men beside Jackson together. Like, Izzo was like, he wasn't actively shading points. He has totally lost his basketball. Like, I, I hate to track him out there, but I'll do it. I don't care. It's been a bad year for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, it,
0: you can be a Hall of Famer. That doesn't mean he made the right decision and certainly not the right lineup choices this season. Um, as you kind of talk about Bridges, and he's what you want in a modern big man, what I've noticed is guys like Mo Bamba so high. I, If you watch kind of these series between the Cavaliers, the Warriors, the Rockets, um, and even the Celtics, it's all at the perimeter. And... I guess my question for you is why is Bomba rated so high when I'm not totally sure that he's going to be able to stay on the court in the conference finals?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge Mo guy, but he's a talent there. He's got some go his game, obviously. He's a crazy wingspan. I think the other thing, too, with Mo, he's a, like, off the court, he's fantastic. He's a great interview. He's super mature, really, really high character guy. I mean, it's easy to fall in love with what he could be. 'Cause maybe he can shoot threes eventually, maybe. And then he's got he's still freaking big. But yeah, I think with the way the league is going, I wouldn't take him top five, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess
0: that I didn't mean to have that come off at Mo Obama specifically. I it's more the idea of there's just seems to be a lot of big men high on this draft, and I wonder why we aren't focusing more on the guys like the Miles Bridges, the Michael Bridges and those kind of guys. Um
1: just seeing I think how the part game's play. It's easier, it's like, I think a lot of times wings and guards, they kind of pop later. Bigs at like 18, 19, it's obvious who the good bigs are. I mean, the biggest, fastest, I mean, there's more separation. I think sometimes it takes guards and wings longer. And the bigs, are they seem safer, even though they actually aren't, but they seem safer because like, okay, this guy's huge, he can play and he scores, blah, blah, blah. That's how it used to be. I mean, it's just tough, but the, the paradigm is changing. It's we're still changing the way the team is thinking about players. Yeah, it it
0: feels like a couple, like they're slower to react to the curve, I think, and these teams kind of stuck in what they've done. Um, But that's a good point about big guys kind of popping earlier. You see guys like Paul George, Jimmy Butler kind of develop out of nowhere. And it's not to say it doesn't happen for big men, but I don't think you see it quite as often.
1: Yeah, I just think because, like, it puts overwhelming physical dominance at lower levels. It's hard not to be drawn to that. Where it's like a wing, trying to of this game. Like a big can be going at 50% and just crush college teams. So it's like, oh man, this guy's going to be a star. But like a wing sometimes, if he's on 50% of his potential, he's just kind of a guy. And it doesn't seem quite as obvious. That's what makes the draft so hard, man. And <laughs> yeah. also, let's not forget, these teams are drafting the top of the league for a reason. They weren't very good. They've been good for a while, most of them.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And like you said, I mean, you see a big who puts up 24 points right away. It's not quite as exciting or quite as easy to spot a defensive wing who's played hard and kind of hit his open shots. It doesn't, like you said, pop off the screen at you. Um, I kind of think in each class there's usually a tier of guys that are a little bit better than the others um, as far as kind of the safer picks, and obviously it varies draft by draft. Where do you kind of think that cutoff of the top guys are in this class?
1: I mean, there's different tiers. It feels like you've got your top two, three, four guys, you know, Aiden, Jackson, Luka, maybe back if you want to be generous. And then you've got all the rest of the bigs, the Bridges, I guess like 10, 11. And there's kind of a bigger pool to like 20. And there's a more, those guys like Connie Walker, Zayer Smith, uh, Shea with Alexander, Kevin Knox. But after 20, it's totally wide open. You can go a 1,000 different lives.
0: Right, yeah. I think once you get past 20, you start to see a couple more foreign prospects, um, a couple more chances on guys and things like that. Um, what are some of the wings, kind of as we talked about how the game is changing and the league needs more wings, what are some of the wings that you like in this class that you think that guy could develop into a really solid rotation piece? Kind of later in the draft in the twenty to team ranges.
1: Um, a couple of guys I'm interested in. I think big body defensive wings. You got Josh Okogie at Georgia Tech, Raleigh Elkins at Arizona. They just got they got NBA frames, NBA athletic ability. I think um, I think they're pretty smart players too. They've got decent jumpers. It's just like they're not stars, and so it's hard to be like, oh man, it's. Because, like, it's, it's very easy to fall on this thing, like, oh, it wasn't a star in college, and how good is it going to be the NBA? Because a lot of, like, NBA specialists were stars in college, and so there seems to be, like, a feeling for how high they're going to go. But I really, I really like Alkins and Okoge as kind of early second-round guys who could surprise people with their abilities.
0: Yeah, okogi is a guy, I think, it's interesting, he wasn't, at least I would say, by fans. Obviously, he played at Georgia Tech, not a very good program he wasn't very well known and it feels like he's kind of just arrived on the scene. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, like they were terrible this year. He was like in the leading sport, a bad team and on TV. It's hard to see much things talk about him during the season, but they come to the combine. It's like, man, he's kind of got a great frame. He's got some reasonable skills. I mean, the guy's freaking got bale chested, crazy long arms. He's built.
0: Right. It's him. And I think another guy that everybody seems to be jumping on is Zaire Smith. Um, well, he's, he's been jumped on. He's way above them at Yeah, yeah, understandably. But he, unreal. It, it looks like he kind of, it feels like he had a great combine himself. Um,
1: well, he didn't measure that well. I mean, he, people oh. were hoping he'd be like 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, he's like 6'2, six, 6'3. Six, that's unfortunate because he's not really a two guard yet in terms of skills. He played the four Texas Tech at like 6'2. <laughs> but, like, he plays during his size because, like, I think arguably Zaire is like, the best athlete in basketball, period. Just like, pure athletic ability any level of the game so I think it'll be okay for him
0: wow that I mean I guess that's something to say the best athlete well, I mean, overall
1: th- if you think about it like the best athletes are going to be 1921 right? yeah like, absolutely. pure athleticism not like skill obviously yeah
0: that's that's a good point Um, obviously your skill set improves as you get older but the most the bounciest guys in the league are usually that 20 21 year old range Um, yeah <clears throat> Speaking of kind of different guys that you have different from the consensus, I guess Jontae Porter is one. You said you love his game, um, partially due to how young he is and everything like that. Um,
1: Is there anyone
0: else? I noticed Colin Sexton is a little bit lower on your board than most people. Um, Can you kind of go into why that is? Yeah,
1: I just think Sexton, um, his style of play, he's a ball-dominant guard, not an elite athlete, good athlete. To me like he's a ball dominant point guard and like he has to have the ball in his hands, but I'm not sure he's good enough in the NBA to justify that. Like I'm kinda off ball dominant point guards. I feel like there's a feeling for if you're six feet one you have to have the ball all the time. I feel like there's a feeling for how good you're gonna be in the NBA and then your team give your team a feeling. Like I think sex is probably a better player than some of the guys I have above them. I just think integrating him with team concepts in the NBA is gonna be difficult. If you watch Alabama he just had the ball the whole game and it's attacked him constantly. And there's value in that, but I just I'm not sure what term I'd give him the to use my offense either.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing. When you're drafting a team, you kind of want to build a team that has your ideals as a basketball person in mind. And if you draft guys who are kind of ball dominant guards, then you're kind of locked into that style of play. So whether... yeah, I mean,
1: they, it's, I mean, like ball dominant guards is great. You better be awesome. I don't think he's awesome, so it knocks him out of that Yeah, I mean
0: that makes totally. Totally makes sense. If you want to be someone to dribble the ball, you better be that Russell Westbrook kind of guy that keeps a defense on you at all points. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Is there anybody else that you kind of either really think highly of compared to others or kind of are not as sold on?
1: I mean, I don't know. It's a broad question. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I, we, did, we did like a ranking. There's a lot of guys. It's all, they, it's all jumbled together in the mind at this point. Okay, fair enough.
0: Um, <clears throat> if you were drafting kind of at the top of the draft and you got an offer for one, what would it take for you to trade out of that pick if you were the Phoenix Suns?
1: Uh, I mean, car into accounts towns. I'd do that.
0: Yeah. If, huh. I could
1: get, like, if I could get a young all-star in a rookie contract, I think that would be... Because like I, obviously Kawhi is amazing, but Kawhi going to be free next year, so it's hard to trade for him. Unless he's going to be for sure locked in, while would do that? Yeah, so to I me it's like a young, a rookie, a young All Star, a rookie contract. That'd be the the, 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 the minimal I want. Do you, Do you think there's any truth to
0: them saying that they're open to trading it, or is that just kind of boilerplate
1: talk? Yeah, I mean, just all you're always open to it. You know, just you never want to dismiss anything, right? It doesn't mean anything either, I don't think. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's certainly a good point. I think you have to stay open to everything, but I'm not sure that they're actively looking to trade it. <clears throat> um, as we look, um, kind of at the draft, are there any guys? You know, Jante Porter talked about going back to school. Are there any guys that you think are significant prospects in this year's class
1: that might return to school
0: other than Jante? Yeah,
1: Divincenzo uh, might go back. He's an interesting player. He was he was coming off the bench this year. and He had a great national title game. Like, he has an interesting skill set, but he never started in college. So it stands to reason if he went back to school and started and was a, a big-time scorer next year, he'd move up. I think he could go back to school. I'm not sure if he will or not, but it's possible.
0: How much do you think the title game helped him? Do you think that he was this highly on people's radars before that, or was that more of a fans noticed him, but scouts have already been on him? It's it's a weird thing. Like I, I
1: mean, scouts have been on him for a while. People know about his talent, but like, it's like if you were a scout and you know, oh, I like Dante's game, but he's not, he doesn't have his big national title. It's like I know he's that good. But everybody else know he's good. But now it's like once he had this big game, his is just raised. So like, oh now he's not going to be so much of a sleeper. Like I think, there's a lot of it too. It's like how, what your reputation is, kind of term of your draft positioning. Like if Don, it's like Dante's the same player, if Villanova loses in the third round, but we're just not talking about him as much. There's less buzz about him, so he's not going to go as high in the draft. I think he's the same guy. It's just like getting your name out there. It's a lot of you know, it's just perception.
0: Yeah, so you, it's kind of funny. It's almost like if you were a Dante guy before the national championship, it kind of works against you because now it raises his profile and makes him less of a value. Oh,
1: totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, funny enough to hear that you would be upset to have one of your favorite prospects play great in the national championship game. <laughs> Obviously, everyone kind of knows about Luca. What are some of the other top foreign prospects in this draft?
1: Uh, it's kinda of weak after him. I mean there's Musa. I gotta watch this guy at Kobo. I've not watched him yet. But people like him a lot. I don't know anything about him, but he's getting a lot of good buzz, so I'm gonna check him out for the finals probably. And then Musa, six nine, uh, score. He's just got a lot of red flags. A lot of the European people are kinda of off him. He's just got he's got back issues, but he's got talent. Kind of like he's six nine, he can score and shoot it. So in a lot of that'll come to interviews. He's got a lot of negative kind of off-the-court stuff hanging over him right now. But he's definitely talented. Okay. And then
0: another guy, kind of, not a foreign prospect, but not also a college prospect, what are your thoughts on Mitchell Robinson?
1: Tough, man. It's like, it's a lot like him and Simmons are the same, Anthony Simmons. Like, a seven-foot rim-running center, is obviously there's value to that, but he hasn't played in a year. And, like, the big question mark about him, was his just feel for the game and skill level, so has he been working on that? He needed the reps of playing basketball, and so then it's like, well, how high is his ceiling? He's an unskilled big man these days, you know. So how, how how much are you gonna gamble on a guy with a low ceiling and a really low floor? He has talent, but it feels like he'd been more coveted five, ten years ago than he is than he's gonna be now. And there's just so many red flags with him. It's yeah. hard to say. Like he just didn't play. He has not in a year. Yeah, and those kind of
0: feel things that you talk about. Those are the kind of things you can really get best from in-action games and watching a player. You know, you can't tell that as well from a workout
1: as you can from watching them Totally. Play, so after He's rep. just not going to be... And he didn't play in the combine. which is a huge, like, come on. It's like, why, are y'all hiding this guy or something? i him not play five-on-five. He hasn't played five-on-five five in a competitive setting in over a year.
0: Yeah. And he already had a lot
1: of question marks about his skill level. So it's tough. Yeah, I, I think...
0: If you're him, how are you not feasting at, or at least thinking about the opportunity of, this is all you have had to prepare for? How are you not ready for the combine and ready to play five? Well,
1: five? it's not his decision, it's his people's decision. It's his agent. Yeah. that um, tells you more about what an agent is thinking, really. Like, oh man, he doesn't have much faith in his player. Yeah, I, I guess that's even
0: more of a red flag, the fact that your agent doesn't want you out there in front of everyone. Um and also, I think those kind of rim-running centers, you can find some of those guys on the free agent market for a little bit cheaper than you think. I mean, look at Dwayne Dedman, didn't get a monster contract? I was just
1: going to say, Dedman is a perfect example. You can get Merlin's for pennies this year. <laughs> I mean, they're guys that are available. Yeah, I mean,
0: if I'm going to take a risk on a big man who maybe doesn't play as well uh, through feeling the game and but is athletic and can rim-run What's the difference between Nerlens Noel and you know him? And I don't have to spend a first round pick or
1: probably a high second, but he might be a LA late first. He might have been the promise. It's hard to say. But yeah, it's exactly case. and Nerlens has been in the league five, six years now. And so hopefully, yeah, it's, I've I've a gamble at twenty three than at eighteen. Yeah, I. Right. So as a Mavs
0: fan, what what are your thoughts on Nerlens? I guess not to go on a tangent, but
1: um, it was he was in a tough spot. So, Carlisle has never clicked. Carlisle wants his big men to really um, play within a very specific, limited role. Nerlens wanted to prove he's worth a max contract. There's a lot of friction there. I mean, I, I think he's worth a flyer in the right system with the right coach. I don't. I think he'll stick in the league somewhere. I don't. I don't think he's like a bad player or anything. It was a tough situation. Yeah that's it's just tough like it's so much a situational a young big like that carlisle is the fun great coach for a young big which one reason about this draft if they draft a young rob big how will he deal with that i don't know
0: <laughs> i felt bad for carlisle this season it felt like the losses really were heavy on him more than they would be for other coaches
1: yeah he's pretty tightly wound he's pretty uh he's not very laid back that.
0: <laughs> no certainly not and Having to watch Dennis Smith Jr., who I think is a really talented player, and I think has a high upside. But I mean, you just saw, like any rookie, just you're not going to be very good with a rookie point guard. And I think it was tough for him you're to just watch not, yeah. those mistakes.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you dropped a rookie point guard really high, that's something like Colin Sexton. If you give Colin Sexton the keys to your team, you're going to be bad for three, four years. And it's the, uh, as the this line is like, is it juice worth a squeeze? I don't know. It's tough. It better be.
0: Otherwise so you'd Alfred Payton all over again. <laughs> Counterpoint, if you want to keep drafting high and continue to tank, you take Colin Sexton. Therefore, he makes your team better in the long run.
1: Well, here's the thing. You want to keep drafting high, eventually <laughs> someone else is going to make those drafted. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Fired.
0: yeah, that's true. For all the success that you want to people give Sam Hinkie, he's not reaping the benefits. So,
1: Right? You know, if you're a GM, your first job is to keep your job.
0: Yeah. And then you can trade all your picks and go get Blake Griffin in order to keep it. Um, anyways, um, I think that's kind of wrapping up on the time that we had for you, um, Charks. Thank you for having coming on. It was great to have you and kind of help everybody out with the draft.
1: Yeah, no problem. Have a good one, man.
0: Thank you.